development. It's all we envelop in telephone. A wealth of intelligence. Unless you're selfishly embellishing all of the championships. Basking it in. Let's study in. The conferences. Pac 12 and big. 12 and the 10. SEC, ACC. Win, 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 win. It just kind of fades from there. That's good. So baseball's finally back and rain delay. <laughs> I just got <laughs> home and I gentlemen. Boom, lightning flash. And I'm like, sweet. I just got I finally get to watch baseball and now it's it's rain delayed. It sucks because I have I have my whole entire life baseball is my first love. And I, I don't know, I just I have kind of fell out of love with it the last couple of years. Which is crazy because like when the Cubs winning the World Series, I was a I grew up Cubs fan. I grew up in Chicago. So when they won the World Series, that was like it. And I'm like, okay, I never have to watch baseball again. But that's <laughs> that's not true at all. Like I still so I still the, think it's the final game of the Cubs World Series, sure. I was on a oh. canine track running around. Uh, a guy had broken into somebody's house, stole a bunch of stuff. And uh, so we're, we're tracking through all these neighborhoods and everybody's got their their TVs. And I'm looking and you know, me and the, the, the office, you know, the canine officer, we're looking in the windows trying to like catch the scores and see what the game's going on. So that's how I remember the final game of the World Series with the Cubs winning. Isn't that the yeah, worst was, when you have to work during like a big game? Like the oh, Cubs, yeah. like the cut, like this is a. It's not just a World Series game. It's like yeah, the Cubs yeah. are about to break like <laughs> one of the biggest curses in all of sports. It's a. It's not just a sports moment. It's like a cultural moment, and like you're like running around working, dumping rain too. <laughs> well it's washington uh, of course yeah um <laughs> i was i was at work but i was lucky enough to be the third shift you know just kind of sit there and watch the computers so we had it on one of the big screens and i was like bawling like a baby man like i, I couldn't even function i was one of the greatest feelings i'll ever remember as a sports fan but and then but then since then i, I like minor league i go to a lot of typically 10 12 minor league games a year like i, I just love going to just being at the ballpark, you know, the smells and all that. So um, I don't know if our minor league is coming back or not. I hadn't heard. I know that the MLB is doing the 60 game, but I don't know if our minor league is or not. Actually, I've never, I've, because Where? of all this, everything that's been going on, COVID and stuff, I've kind of sectioned myself away from the news as much as I can. But so I probably probably should find out whether it's going or not. Where is that? Where's Toronto playing? Do they Come to it. No, no, I don't know. Actually, yeah. I like Pittsburgh hear. saying no. That was like pretty, pretty amazing. Like no, just <laughs> <laughs> <was> like nah. <laughs> I mean, it's like they. It's like they, someone asked them a question and they paused and were like, mm, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, a little bit of. I, I feel like why not Cleveland though? Why I, I feel like Toronto is closer. Well, but I hmm. guess maybe because they're both AL. Is that the whole? I honestly don't know oh, much maybe. about it. Yeah, I only saw. I, this is me like crop dusting the news on this one. Um, <laughs> um, I guess it'd be the opposite way. I'd be getting crop dusted. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know much about that one. But I do know that Toronto was pretty hardcore. Like, which I knew about a long time ago. They've had this stance for a while. So, and it's funny that it like just like came like they were like oh yeah last minute last minute no like toronto's been shut down for a very long time and been pretty clear that they were not going to do this type of stuff yeah all right well this is actually a football podcast so but it it is just good to have live sports again i think we're all kind of geeked a little bit i was hoping to watch some of it tonight this is debbie owner's manual episode 3.4 where we talk about you know the campus canton leagues basically college football 
little NFL, a little bit of news. We got a lot of news that we can talk about today. Um, just some things we wanted to talk about. We're also going to talk about some some of these running back names you got to know. And I got a couple gentlemen here. You've heard their voices already. First up, my illustrious co-host, Mr. Pete Lawrence. How you doing, bud? I'm doing fantastic, man. It's just good to talk sports. It is, man. That's why I'll, I'll bounce around some of the news and some of it. Well, we'll just talk about because we want to talk about it. And not only do I have Pete here, but I also have an Emmy Award winning Mr. David Berger. How you doing, David? Doing fantastic. I'm kind of riding uh, the mute button as I have uh, my, my wife and my child um, doing a little dinner time in the background. But, um, you know, West Coast time zones, this is how Zoom, Zoom slash podcasts work right now as everyone tries to collaborate. We're, we're living the, the, the from home lifestyle. <laughs> we're making it work. We're having fun. I'm excited yeah. to talk about some Debbie. I'm excited. Right. It's kind of interesting to see, like, even the daytime talk shows and, like, you know, the nighttime ones and everybody going from home, just like we're doing right here. It, it's kind of neat. And honestly, I think it's worked pretty well. So, lend to some discussions of, you know, maybe we won't reel this all the way back. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, oh, <laughs> I don't know about going that far. But, you know, I, I still miss the, you know, the person to person stuff, you know, and I'm sure. We'll hopefully we get back to some of that eventually. So, no, it's I funny. I, I actually heard uh, Jim Carrey on Howard Stern. He was doing remote interview, and he was like, "Good luck getting guests to come to your show <laughs> after this," <laughs> which is exactly. probably true to some extent. But I have to say, if they're going to do that, can someone? I mean, I listen to like podcasts from guys that have seventeen followers that have better mics than some of these celebrities. So. Um, it's $120 on Amazon. If you're listening to this and you, uh, are in the PR department of any big time celebrity, it, there's a, a way you can make your, your interviews sound a whole lot better. We got a little bit of news here. Um, Mike Tyson's making a comeback. I thought that was pretty interesting news. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw that. Isn't that crazy? 52 50, years old. He's going to yeah. come back and fight. It's nuts, I, man. I mean, it is nuts, but he's fighting Roy Jones, right? Yeah, Roy Jones, eight-round exhibition match. But Roy Jones, though, I feel like is still in shape. We, I, I actually um, I did a show with him about four years ago, which is a lot of time to get washed up, true. But he was still pretty – still yeah. had it. Like, we did a whole thing, like, of B-roll with him looking studly. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that – I've seen a lot of tweets like, Roy Jones is about to get murdered, like – Mm, I don't know. Maybe. Roy Jones like, was a good boxer. Like at his, he was. Peak. Yeah, yeah, he was. You know, there's a lot of people fading him, but dude, it, he was lethal when he was he was in the zone. I mean, and neither of them been in the zone for a long time. So, right, right. I think I think Tyson's just banking on being able to hit him. All he's got to do is hit him a couple times. But I don't know if he's gonna be able to hit him. Like Tyson, he looks like he's still got the power, but I bet he doesn't move that great. I don't know. He's a uh, still exhibition. Why not? Should be a lot of fun. Um, yep. let me see. Mike, Tyson, Mike Tyson's got those Christine Michael, you know, workout videos, just getting everybody hyped. <laughs> exactly. All right. Just some adjust, high school football. Go ahead. Adjust the ranks is all I was going to say. <laughs> oh, adjust your ranks. <laughs> <laughs> I see that Nevada moved their high school football to 2021, but then Florida also backpeeled theirs. Um, they were supposed to go in the spring and now they're saying they're just going to push back the fall which I thought was kind of interesting because I didn't know there was seasons in Florida. I thought it was just summer all the time. Um, so 
I, that was kind of fun to me to know that there's actually seasons in Florida. So <laughs> the, Nevada, the, the Nevada news, I feel like, is a little bit of a big deal because they have a pretty prominent uh, high school program in Bishop Gorman. Um, so that's a lot of kids that aren't going to get showcased um, going into next year. So, I mean, I think that like Snoop Dogg's kid went there. Um, it's a pretty pretty big. I, I yeah. mean, that would that would be the only real reason to to be concerned about the Nevada news and Florida, Florida obviously is a much bigger high school football state. So a lot more invested there, a lot more on the line. So um, interesting news for sure. Yeah. We'll talk about it a little more later when we go back into the deeper classes of running backs. But a lot of these guys I think are just going to end up not playing, you know, a lot of these high school seniors, they don't have much to lose, you know, and why, why risk, you know, playing and getting COVID, you know, and losing, you know, any sort of, you know, your hype, your draft. I, I just can't see a lot of them playing. And a lot of them are already saying, you know, hey, we're just going to train and not worry about it. So I think it's, it's just a domino effect. It's it's crazy, guys. I, I really don't know what to think. I, I'm starting to feel like there's not going to be any college football, which sucks so much and so much more than I can even fathom, you know. But or if they do, it'll be, you know, very, very scaled back. I, I wish we could have an answer. Like, I feel like it's time to start, you know, getting ready to go to football games like a month away from when the season would start. And I don't know what we're going to do as a podcast. We'll figure out something. I I thought about maybe we could get together and do like simulation games on our NCAA 2014 and just talk about the prospects or something. We'll we'll figure it out. We'll get something for you guys. But what we're going to do about college football, that that would just suck. And I I don't even want – yeah, you just want to talk about it. It's. I thought we would, but the more I think about it, maybe I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) So I got a text last night that was – someone who was friendly with the Oklahoma football um, athletic department or the Oklahoma athletic department in regards to the football program. And um, you know, they're doing what they can to keep everything contained, but, and they actually reached from what I read, they reached a, you know, zero positive bubble, but then a couple players popped up again. So, I mean, the reality is, you know, we're going to have these moments where the bubbles are broke and players aren't going to play. I think that, quite frankly, there is way too much on the line to not have a season financially. And that's from not just I, – I, and I actually don't even think it's from the television perspective because television will be fine. I think it's from a, a institution perspective. I think that a lot of these schools are counting on this revenue. If they don't get it, are going to have to substantially change how their university works. So I do think that we will at least start the season, whether or not we finish it, that's TBD. Was I just saw ESPN, um, Alvarez, who said Wisconsin is likely to lose up to $100 million if there's no football. Yeah, I heard a number sim- similar to that for Michigan too. It's like – That's bonkers. And, and part of me thinks, you know, that I don't – there's the – College has the different thing, a different thing to think about because they they have to go based on what their students do. And if their students are going to online classes and not going to the campus, it, it's almost unfair for the football players to go. But part of me thinks, you know, that I, I don't know a way to skirt around that rule because I don't think having football is really going to trying to think of a way to strategically say this is going to really expose the athletes more to 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 it more than what they already would. You know, you still have a pretty tight community. And I think without fans and stuff, it will help, you know, that aspect of it. 
it's a tricky. I, I would not want to be on these boards making these decisions. Like, like it, it's so hard, and there's so much we don't know, and there's so much I don't know. And, and then the whole ripple. The NFL looks like they don't have any idea what the hell they're doing either. You know, sides fighting over money, whether they're going to do it. Players saying they're not going to do it. Owners saying, well, we're not, we don't. We're not going to. You know, everybody's like, we got money, we don't care. So, like, it's, like it's, David said, that that the economics are just that's what's going to be the driver. I think the NFL, the biggest thing when you look at, you know, LA just built a five billion dollar stadium. The NFL, those owners are going to do everything they can to get some product on the field to get some sort of money. I Oakland or Vegas, two billion dollar stadium. So, I, I don't see how they're not going to put something out there for revenue. I mean, a hundred percent like Kroenke, right. I believe took that stadium on the arm, which is how it should be. And that was, I commend him tremendously for doing so. And yeah. I feel bad for him that this is <laughs> happening, even though he probably voted for Trump not to get political, but <laughs> um, I don't feel that bad. bad for him. I, I don't feel that bad for him. But what yeah. I'm saying is, these guys, everyone's in a tough position. This is a, 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 you're talking about a novel virus. It's a novel situation. And a lot of these decisions are going to be made based on a lot of other factors than just player safety. Yeah. Like you said, nobody, I mean, nobody saw this. Like you said, novel virus. He, he opened this, this $5 billion LA stadium thinking, dude, I'm gonna have Taylor Swift do a concert here. You know, whenever whenever games aren't going on, I'm just going to be packing this thing. You know, whatever shows, and just bringing in revenue. So, I mean, he's a rich white guy; he'll be okay. But yeah, he'll be know. just fine. I mean, <laughs> as right. fine as you can be after five billion dollars, unfathomable to most of us. Right, right. Now, Pete, I, I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about this. Have you had a talk with your league mates about? Because I mean, I feel like the NFL has a higher chance of having like a full season or at least you know twelve games college like if what what are you what are your camp campus to canton league is going to do if you go back to like eight games you know are you guys gonna like i've kind of brought it up with a little bit in the ones that i'm in that i commission and i've just basically told everybody you got to be fluid i mean this is going to be you know we may just have a regular season we might roll the pot to next year you know i don't we may do like a double header every week for the first six weeks and hope we can get, you know, like a good idea of who the best couple teams are and do a couple week playoff. But, but, you know, if there's bye weeks in there, like it, it could be incredibly muddy in campus to Canton, especially on the college side. I think the NFL side will be a little more structured and probably a little easier to deal with if they decide to just randomly shorten it, you know? So I don't know if you've had any conversations about with your league mates and stuff. Yeah, so with so our Heisman to Hollis, I mean, we have a 50, 50 deep roster. So, you know, I, I think you're going to be able to survive most, uh, you know, COVID, you know, absences. I think, you know, obviously we have no idea at this point what the schedule is going to look like, how many games are actually going to get played. And it's kind of kind of just playing it by ear right now, but probably just likely we'll roll with it. Um, if we only get a couple, you know, however many games we get in through the season, that's what we get, you know. Hey, we'll we'll crown a champion, you know, and uh, we'll just tackle it next year. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. Just you know, like a partial trophy, something. You know, there's all kinds of things we can do. This is such unprecedented territory, so it's kind of crazy. Um, I know DLF just released an article today. Um, I think it was Jacob Feldman wrote it, 
about how to address, how to talk with your t- your league about you know COVID nineteen and things you guys can do to adjust. To, and it was a pretty good article. I think if you're listening to this, you haven't read it. Go on DLF and find it. It was a good article. But I actually just saw it right before this and retweeted it because I thought it was really good to. You know, there's a, a lot of people out there that are a lot smarter than us. And I consider myself a good commissioner. I know you are, Pete, but I'm Scott, Ryan, John are way better commissioners than we are. You know, and these yeah. guys have been talking over every scenario for the last, you know, three months. And they've got tons of good ideas and things you can do. So if you do run one of these leagues, you know, make sure you just stay up front with your your league, with your people in your league and just, you know, let them know they got to be fluid. That's That's pretty much all we can do at this point. So, all right, let's get in the meat potatoes, guys. Some running back talk. First, I was going to ask, kind of what? How do you guys like approach running backs? Running backs tend to have a, seems like a little bit higher hit rate than wide receivers, especially Debbie ones. Um, so, but then they got the shorter shelf life. So, so we just wrapped up our Heisman to Hollis draft together, and yeah, for me, it's just hammer the running back. Um, you know, target a few certain wide receivers that I can. And of course, you know, super flex, you, you got to keep churning those quarterbacks. We see so many quarterbacks that come out that are just highly regarded. You know, uh, Tate Martell is just a, a great example who, you know, turned out to be nothing. He's He was the top of the list. And I'm sure in quite a few Debbie drafts, he was probably a first round pick when he first came out. You know, if you're a freshman only or if you're a very depleted type, uh, Debbie type, you know, uh, format. So. I, I just I, I try to hammer running back. You know, if I have a ton of them that come in the NFL at the same time, that's just better for me. Yeah, I think it's critical. Like, I look at most of my campus to Canton leagues, and my Devi roster, my college side, is probably eighty percent running back and wide receiver. I mean, and probably maybe even more. You know, I usually have you know six, seven quarterbacks, probably fifteen wide running backs, twenty wide receivers. You know, it's it's those are the core. Those are the guys, you know, you want to make sure you have a couple guys that do really good in college. You know, your guys like Jarrett Patterson, who's got some NFL prospect, but is just an absolute beast in college. Um, you know, you want to get some of those guys that run for those small schools. You know, the Central seems Central Michigan turns out quite a few guys. You'll know, get, you know, like 1,500 yards, 20 touchdowns, but, you know, they'll never really make anything in the NFL. So you want to get a couple of those guys like that, you know, guys that you can plug in and start. You know, your guys like your ETNs and your Hubbards and all those guys, you know, tend to not have the giant weeks like that. They don't tend to put up, you know, well, Hubbard does, I guess. But, you know, your guys, ETN doesn't routinely rush for 250 yards and four touchdowns. You know, he's, you know, typically 125 and two and they yank him out, you know, or they're already up 70 (laughs) to nothing. So, you know, so you want to get your guys that produce well at the college level. You want to get a couple of those sprinkled in. You never know one of them might hit as well. Every once in a while you get one that will. So it's kind of good to have just as many as possible. And so when, when you're looking at your running backs, what are the kind of things that you're scouting, especially with incoming freshmen? One of the things I like to look at, you know, is just really hammer into, you know, two, four, seven rivals, look at ESPN, just try and find like freak athletes, you know, see if I can find anything about a guy's workout stuff in high school. That's, that's always just been big for me. Right. You want to see like, I like looking at their rankings. Usually I like watching their size too, you know, because you see a guy that's, you think if he's 5'9", 180, 185 as like a junior in high school, he's going to fill out really nice. You know, he's going to be 220, you know, 5'10". You know, you watch his profile, then you want to see him still do. I don't watch a lot of high school tape. Usually on those 24 sites, 24 sevens, 
I pretty much religiously use 24-7. Uh, they tend to have sometimes links to the high school games. You can see their high school. There's not a, not a lot of great high school footage out there, it seems like, even for the like the IMGs and things like that. But you want to just see you want to see them already dominating. You, know, you want to see them running over guys. You want to see uh, almost every one of them is faster than every guy on the field. So you want to look for other things. You know, you want to see them make the little subtle subtle changes that you know, like they so they're not re- relying entirely on their athletic ability. You know, you want to see them. You know, juke, make moves, go through the middle. You know, not bounce every run out to the outside because almost every one of those guys can bounce it out to the outside and take off. You know, that's something that they seem to, you know, they all pretty much do. So you want to see him run up the middle. You want to see him, you know, catch passes. You want to see him block for the quarterback. You want to see him do little things. You know, those are things that really stick out to me. And I think guys that get will get them noticed, you know, no matter what school they end up at, you know. And then, you know, we do have schools that tend to, to turn out better running backs, you know, like Georgia and things like that. So you want to watch, you know, if Georgia's watching this guy, you know, keep an eye on him. So you kind of watch that programs, things that make a difference. So those are some of the things that I look for when I look when I'm in a couple of my deeper leagues where we can actually draft high school guys and stuff like that. So those are things I look for before they get to the NCAA. So yeah, we were just talking a little little bit about deeper recruiting, but you but we were going to bounce back to you. Well, that's good. I mean, look, you- listen, you're the Debbie uh, owners, man. You guys are the experts. You should be talking a bit deeper than I'm going to go because I'm going to go full transparency right now. I've only been doing debbie for about three years ish that said i'm extremely into the format i love it and it allows players to really invest in the ground floor of a player like a like a stock so often in fantasy or dynasty football talkers and 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 the echo chamber they love to steal their vocabulary from the stock market but in so many ways debbie is the way to play Amen. into that Amen. because that's the truest form of that analogy longer market life your roster is more like assets your your, your roster is more like assets most because mostly because there's just more assets between the debbie picks the rookie draft and then typically in this format that's larger rosters for in-season play so keeping that in mind i think you have to look at running backs at the debbie level as the players who have the truest upside because you know, there's a guy that could be the Saquon, the Christian McCaffrey, the guy, you know, you get a guy that you bought for a dollar in a Debbie draft. Suddenly he's, you know, the bell of the ball. So um, I think you need to keep that in mind. Um, but also you take a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn from last season, who I think the Debbie market liked, but overall they didn't have an inf- they didn't have an infatuation with him. So he's a lower middle tiered running back most of last season. And through the draft process, then he goes third round to the Tampa Bay Bucks, a team with a short depth chart and solid draft capital, suddenly skyrocketed in value. So I guess for me and my approach now when it comes to running backs, I want to get in on a guy who projects to be a potential top end running back early when he's not even on most everyone's radar and a little cheaper. And it doesn't have to be going and and it doesn't even have to be going into his freshman season, although with the growth of Debbie, I suspect most of these top five, top end five star guys, like you guys are talking about, the deeper guys, you know, they're on the radar a little bit more now than they used to be. But you take a guy like Max Borgie, who I got for a dollar after his freshman season in a Debbie <laughs> draft. And now he's going to rise up the ranks and appreciate and value so much that I have the option to keep him if I think he's going to be good and help my roster. 
or turn over for a massive profit come draft season. Max Borgie, he has a young breakout. He has the massive production. These are things that the draft process loves. It's only going to hype him up even more. There's going to be guys like this all the time. Another way I've approached it and had success includes making a play towards the end of the NFL season where people potentially are looking for playable guys willing to give up more long-term assets to be able to compete at the moment. I was able to flip Derrick Henry last year and be a and part of that package included J.K. Dobbins. It was a little scary at the time, but I mean, I feel pretty good about it now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think I got Baker Mayfield out of it and some other pieces as well. So I'm feeling pretty good. But then again, too, you know, Debbie is inherently risky, as you guys were just talking about as I came as I came on. I think a lot of people think it's easy to find the players that will fill out their rosters one day, but it's definitely hard and not that obvious unless it's like players like Saquon or Christian McCaffrey or Nick Chubb. It's easy to whiff. That's where I think treating your Debbie team a little bit more with that stock market approach is valuable because conventional conventional wisdom is like, okay, I'm going to get guys that will one day win me a championship at the next level. But there's probably only a few guys every draft class that you should treat that way. And the other guys should be a little bit more liquid, with this, especially if the price is right. Take the money and run before the guy tears an ACL or something <laughs> and you miss that cell window. <laughs> that's what I, that's yeah, my spiel. Yeah, that's like my favorite thing in the world to do is like if you're getting toward that end of the season, you're not going to make, you know, even if you got a decent team. You know you're not going to do it. You know, start getting rid of some of your older guys and get your. I think in one of the pigs leagues, I needed a quarterback really bad, and I traded Trevor Lawrence for like Jameis Winston and a couple things. This was when Jameis wasn't throwing 90 interceptions. You know, but I, I like doing both both sides of that. You know, there's I always have a pretty good stable of Devi assets that where if I get close to com- that, I need an extra piece. You know, I'm more than willing to part with a guy. But then I like going the other way too. Like toward the end of the season, I usually I don't do a lot of Debbie trades early in the season um, during draft, nothing like that. I really like the end of the season for Debbie trading. I, I don't know why. It's just one of my favorite times to to move those guys. I think the market's really good at that point because people get desperate. You know, like I I never should have traded Trevor Lawrence ever because I think I lost in the first round of the playoffs and now I don't have Trevor Lawrence. So you know, but I thought that Jameis was the piece. You know, and I think I got something else for him, but. You know, now that guy's going to have Trevor Lawrence. And, I mean, you know, it wouldn't have helped me one one this year, you know, whatever. So, in the long, long-term scheme of things, it probably wasn't that big of a thing. But it's still – they're good assets to have. So Yeah, and I, look, I mean, even in the offseason, I mean, we're, this is – I didn't bring it up because we're talking running backs, not wide receivers. But, as an example, I bought – Tamari on Terry for a dollar last year. I shouldn't say, but I was able to acquire him for a dollar last year. Right. And then someone came back to me a year later and was like, how much for him? I was like, "Hmm, well, I don't know. (laughs) Cause the market is like, you know, you make your own market. But I was like, I tell you what, a prospect I liked at this same time last year, that seems about the same was Tylen Wallace. And I got him for $115. So I was like, I'll take $115 for him. And the guy was like, sure. So I turned a 115% pr- <laughs> profit off Tamari on Terry. And you could be like, oh, why didn't you hold on to him? Is there going to be another point in Tamari on Terry's career in which I can turn a 115% profit off this guy? Probably, Probably not. not. 
So, and I don't even know if that's the right math to be quite frank, but, <laughs> but it felt like it was a big come up. And I used that cash to get Trey Lance and George Pickens in my oh. draft this year. So, you know, that's you good. Gotta be, you got to be looking for these opportunities to think of your debt. Like good. I said, it, you gotta, really got to <laughs> think of it in that stock market kind of vibe where you're, you're buying and selling, man, you're buying and selling. You, you made a great point. Like, Eno Benjamin, after his sophomore season, massive sophomore season, really climbed up in the Debbie ranks. Kind of a disappointing junior year. Didn't really light up. He still got drafted. But, I mean, you know, if you had capitalized after that sophomore blow up, you could have turned him into a huge profit. Flipped him for multiple draft picks, assets, play, you know. It's great. It's You know, everybody remembers your bad trades, your good trades. You just – just keep churning, man. You got to try to make that value. Yeah, trades that blow up in our face, but hey. Well, probably <laughs> at that time, too, Belage was relatively around. If I, I yeah. Mean, well, so, yeah. I mean, Belage definitely had a little bit more of the Debbie hype. You know, was like you probably bought low on him and then he rose up. So, the Caleb Belage hype was is fantastic because out here on the West Coast, watching Arizona State games. All of his production came out of the Wildcat. That's the only time he looked good running the ball. And he was sitting, you're sitting there watching. People are like, oh, Kalen Balaj can be the hype. He's this. And yeah, are you guys actually watching the games? The only time he's, he's the, doing the next David Johnson. Yeah. Yep. It's out. You can look it up. It's in the Twitter sphere. <laughs> but but when right. you at, when you posted that question on the show sheet, that was my general take. And like I said, full transparency, which is a word that I heard a lot as someone doing research about this space um i want to be fully transparent i've only been in this game for about three to four years so but at the same time i can just tell you what my life has been like dealing with it and that's to me something i've i've learned along the way all right we'll get into the the 2020 class a little bit we'll talk about you know the main guys you guys really already probably already know i'm not gonna spend a lot of time on them Berger has a couple guys he wanted to talk about. And Pete, if there's anybody you wanted to highlight, but I mean, we got a couple that are up here at the top. You kind of go back and forth. Um, it's not the greatest class. It does have potential to be a good class, a special class, but there's a lot of question marks. There's even question marks at the top. The top for me is Travis Etienne from Clemson. He's been the top in this, and he was the top for me in last year's class. He's the top in this class. I, I love Etienne. But, you know, there is a lot of concern about him at the next level just because he didn't have the workhorse load at, at Clemson. He, they, were never, they never needed him to, for one. Um, there's a lot of questions at Chuba Hubbard also, who's got immense production from Oklahoma State. Um, Max Borgie, Washington State, I have him third, but he's got a ton, a ton of questions as well. A lot of uh, high-profile analysts in recent weeks have come out saying they don't think he can be anything other than a third down back, which is – Interesting because if you watch his tape, he's so much more to me. Uh, Najee Harris, I got him high. Journey Brown, Kenneth Gainwell. There's some really big names there. Do you guys got anything on any of those? So it's like the big six for me, ETN, Hubbard, Borgie, Brown, Gainwell, and Najee Harris. So what do you guys you guys have any takes on any of those guys? Pete, how do you have them? The Zamir, the Zamir White hate will not stand on this podcast because he's been injured. I get it. He hasn't flashed what we all thought he would when he was one of the top recruits coming out of high school, but I'm still all on board with Zamir White. That's still my dude. 
I think he's I think he's got all the size and potential to be one of the top backs. Um, but he's a lottery ticket where you might right. have something that you uh, you're going to find in the bottom of the trash can in a couple months, or he's going to be that dude that gets you know first round type pick in the NFL draft. I really, what's like happening? Him. Sorry. There's no hate here. There's no hate here. I just want to see it, you know, like before I put him up there, you know. Yeah, Journey Brown. So you got some, You just like you said, there's there's a lot of talented guys. I think, yeah, if you're talking top five, ETN, Hubbard, for me, Journey Brown right there. Uh, I'm a University of Washington fan, so I'm not going to give too lo- too much uh, love to Max Borgi, but he's a very talented player. I think the hate. The love might have gotten too high when he was going early, like round one in uh, right. a lot of Debbie mocks. But now I'm seeing him falling way back. So, yeah, let me see. I got to pull up my notes on him real quick. This is what. Oh, Bor- oh, Borgi? The guy yeah. is an absolute stud. It's insane. Oh, yeah. People are- it's yeah. it's the, the, the hate fade. A, a few people made some tweets, and, you know, everybody's allowed their opinion. I, you know, okay. People can be wrong. Listen, we're living in the fantasy Twitter world, right? Okay, yep. right. This is where this is who's going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Guess what? When Max Borgie hits the model waters in about eight months or whatever, or what? What? Where are we at? We're in July. About six months. Yeah. Um, the models are going to like Max Borgie. And guess yeah. what drives draft Twitter? The models. So guess what? Max <laughs> Borgie is if they're fading him, he is a massive buy. The guy has insane production from yeah. a very early age i mean I, this look, is I, I don't understand it i don't get it i i here, here's the hate go ahead the hate is grounded in the fact that he has been a tremendously dominant pass catching back in a mike leach system that is why there's hate for him the problem is so he is he has been productive the thing is he can run up the middle he's got good power good balance he's got elite acceleration. I mean, he kid just hits that second gear like you wouldn't believe. He can run up the middle. He just happens to be a very good pass-catching back, and he is amazing. And why is that a bad thing in today's NFL? They're like, he's a third-down back. First and second-down backs can catch the ball in today's NFL. Good Lord. What about, I, don't, I don't see it. I really just don't. I think he's got the potential. He has to add a little bit of mass on to be to take that pounding of the, of the more inside running, you know, but – it's there. I mean, I, I think the kid is tremendously talented and I want to see him excel outside of a Mike Leach system and then buy him. I'm, I'm buying him everywhere I can. If they're going to, if you're going to be down on him, come talk to me, baby, hit me up at FF people's champ. Find me in a league, trade me Max Borgie. I don't care. I'll take him. I find it interesting. Um, as I get a text message, uh, sorry. Um, I find it interesting that he's kind of like the opposite People want to do a one-for-one comp for McCaffrey. He's kind of the opposite of McCaffrey because McCaffrey was not a prolific pass catcher in college, and now he's the pro level. So you could project that he would actually do the opposite in the pros, uh, Borgie, where he doesn't catch as much and is able to be a between-the-tackles grinder more than people think he is able to. And guess what? I believe he ran a 4-3 coming out of high school. High school. So... The speed is there. Right. The production is there. I understand the Pac-12 and the Mike Leach system, and I'm sorry about the the the, the ding just now, but I, I don't I don't understand. Like, look, use the negative Max Borgie hate to your advantage right now because guess what? 
the only thing that matters from January till April is end of season numbers that people plug into their models. And guess what? I'm, I am a pro model person. I come off as an anti model person. I'm a pro model person. I appreciate them. I love them. I take them with, I, 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 I take them wholeheartedly. I believe in them, but it is a little bit like trend betting, right? It's like people want to fade Henry Ruggs because he's an outlier, right? But it's like you're just, okay, so you don't want to make a bet against the trend. I get that. Guess what? Every day on in sports, things go against the trend. Right. I, I got to stop you for a second. Every, every time you say you're pro model, I know you're Hollywood and Emmys and all that. So I think you're talking about like actual models, you know? Uh, oh, of no. Of course but, you're pro model. You're rubbing well, elbows yeah. with them every day. You know? Come on. <laughs> I wish. Jesus. <laughs> I love you, David. All right, man. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. My whole Borgie thing is also, you know, uh, I can't. I'm not supposed to. I think he could play a role like Kamara does. You know, like he's Kamara is a better pass catching back than he is a runner, but he still does pretty well as a runner. But he's definitely better at pass catching. So why can't Borgie do that same exact role? You know, like that same exact role for a team that gets you know, ten carries a game, but is just better at catching the ball. You know, like, why couldn't he be the same exact type of player? So that's, I, I love him. Uh, we, we can't waste 20 minutes on Max Borgie. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I, I don't right. know. We got um, and a lot of guys still really like Najee Harris a lot. I mean, he's, you know, Najee's done it all. He's going to be a little bit out of an older prospect going out, but he's a guy that can do just about everything. A couple names farther down on the list. David, I'll give you a chance to talk about Keontae Ingram. He's an immensely talented back that should get a chance this year if he stays healthy to carry the whole load down in Texas. So I'll give you a chance to talk about Keontae. David? Thank you. Thank you, Dwight. Um, you know, I actually, I just like Texas in general. Um, I think I became such a Kyler Murray fan because I just happened to flip on Oklahoma the beginning of that season. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> and I kind of felt that way a little bit last year with Texas's offense. I liked Ellinger. I liked DuVernay. I liked Keontae Ingram. Um, so he's a guy six feet, 236 pounds. So he profiles as more of a big back, right? Between the tackles grinder, more of a goal line guy. But he's got 56 catches through two years at Texas. And when you watch him, you can see why he looks like a natural receiver with soft hands, the ability to make the catch on the run. I think he's got enough burst and straight line speed. He's probably going to run a 4-4 with his 40 at the combine, just saying. But I think he's above average to, to potentially elite when it comes to his ability to change direction when he gets going. Love how he plants his foot when he cuts. Makes people look silly out there at times. I think he's got more power than he gets credit for because, like I said, he's a big guy and people forget that at times. He can be elusive in the open field when he gets the. He can be elusive in the open field when he gets the ball. Also moving his feet, he loves to turn the feet. He's someone deep in the second tier of rookie prospects that could really gain a lot of value by April of next year because I think the NFL is really going to like this guy. He brings a ton to the table for today's more pass-centric NFL. So if someone's fading Ingram, give him to me. I'll take him. All right, I like him a lot, too. He's one um, 
notes I have on him says the breaking tackles. Like he just breaks tackles like you wouldn't believe. I love his contact balance and the way he plays through contact. Like you said, he's always turning his legs. But he's he's a smooth pass catcher as well. He doesn't have like the, the elite speed, long speed, not a lot of burst, but just just a powerful, smooth runner. And I, yeah. I, I like watching him a lot. I expected a lot more from that offense last year. So it was just kind of a weird season for Texas. Here's a name. How do you, you guys get- feel on Master yeah. Teague? Big injury coming off the Achilles. I think it's a great time to buy. I do think it's a, a great time to to buy because he's a name that's kind of hot out there, and he's definitely like scorching up the Debbie like echo chamber. But at the same time, he looks like a bit of a plotter, to be honest. He did. He did not look as good as this, you know, really came on with that freshman season, and then last year Dobbins takes back over really shines in the new offense, which is going to be great. You know, you, you talked about how you got J.K. Dobbins. Now he's going from Justin Fields and running that, you know, RPO, and now he's going over to, to Lamar Jackson. Dobbins is probably going to be kind of one of those Nick Chubb back end of the season league winners that is going to carry a lot of teams to champions when he takes over for Ingram. But, you know, I, like I said, Teague is a guy I think you can get for probably pretty cheap right now coming off the injury, and – just another name right. to stash away. Right. Yeah. What I have is he's a tough runner, not not as agile, doesn't have like a lot of side to side. He's more of a straight uphill runner. He sees a hole, hits it, needs to be better at pass catching, you know, but he hasn't really had a chance to do that too much. So I'd be stunned if he came out this year. I'd hope he comes back next year. I mean, it's Trey Sermon's job this year, most likely. So I, I don't see him. I think Master would have to come back next year and, and hopefully prove something. Although Ohio State's got a you know stable of backs right behind him, ready to come up. Jeez, Sermon, so though, uh, just a quick pivot. <sighs> Sermon, though, I remember watching him as I as I just mentioned with that Kyler Oklahoma offense. I liked Sermon a lot. He was a fun player to watch. And if we're talking about Dobbins, Teague, Sermon, from what I've seen from Teague. Or from what I've seen from Dobbins and Sermon, they're just in a, a class above Teague. And I know Teague oh, has yeah. a lot of hype, but he just seems like a straightforward running back. Yeah, fully agree. Right. All right, I'm going to go just run through some other names that you guys that are names to know, names to watch this year. I'll call, grab a couple of these. I won't go through them all. Um, guys that I like a lot, and you guys can grab some if you want to. I do like Jarrett Patterson quite a bit from Buffalo. Um, he had like 1,800 yards and 26 touchdowns last year or something, you know, amongst a small school. Um, but he's a lot to like about him. He's one that I'm cutting a lot of tape for right now, trying to get a better idea of the feel of what he does. But what I've seen is it's he's he's very damn good, but I want to see a little bit more, you know, and give you like a really good evaluation of what I think of him. Jerome Ford's finally getting a chance to start in Cincinnati, a name I like a lot that could come out next year. Rakeem Boyd. Arkansas, Josh Johnson from the University of Louisiana, Monroe, another small school guy that uh, crazy, crazy production. You got to watch him down there. He's a what I got to get a little bit deeper into him as well. I like Elijah, Elijah Collins at Michigan State. He's kind of the only thing left on that offense. And I got to talk about Michigan State occasionally. So those are a couple guys that I'm looking kind of watching this year to hopefully make a jump up this list. Is there one? There's one other name you wanted to bring up, Berger. He's a knight, I think, or <laughs> Sir Roderick. Yes, yeah, Sir Roderick Thompson, the Lord of Lubbock. Oh. Uh, you know, people love <laughs> people love Chuba, and you know what? This guy's a discount Chuba, and I'll tell you why. Well, number one, he's not as fast as Chuba. He's like probably going to run in the four 
five, four, six range. But at the same time, they offer a lot of the same skills, man. He's six foot, 200 pounds, uh, Texas Tech Red Raider. He's a big back who I think looks faster on film than what I've seen online from him. Like, like I said, he's in the four, five, six range, but the guy seems elusive when he gets out in the open field. But I think he's a great straight line runner with the ability to make some people miss and get outside, get those chunk yardage. You know, the NFL really does value those first and second down backs, and especially guys like Sir Roderick, who are productive at the goal line, right? He pounded it in 12 times in as many games last year. I like guys who can pound it into the end zone, and he does it well. Now, Texas Tech, obviously a points factory, so that's something to keep in mind. But Thompson is a guy who doesn't get talked about much, and I think he's a worthwhile name to put in that back pocket, like just like stuff it in that back pocket. Like we hear all the names. We hear all the names. We're not hearing about Sir Roderick Thompson except for on the Debbie manual with Dwight Peoples, Peter Lawrence, because I could see him going the later rounds of the NFL draft next season and be one of those hot names, maybe even in the UDFA signings, because I, th- I feel like he's going to catch. He's going to catch on. Nice. You got anybody else, Peter? Uh, you know, we'll hit a few, one. few quick uh, Pac-12. Obviously, C.J. Verdell, Jamar Jefferson. Mm-hmm. I think Stevie Scott is kind of just a nice. If you're a, you know, a, um, a fan of Jordan Howard, I see kind of a similar path right there. And I also want to bring up, uh, you know, talking about Cal, USC, Chris Brown Jr. out of Cal, Stephen Carr at USC. Before you think it's just about the West Coast, uh, Michael Carter out at North Carolina is another player who I'm kind of big on. And unfortunately, you know, uh, Dwight snagged a guy who I kind of wanted to get spaced on it in our Heisman to Hollis. But uh, UW's very own Richard Newton, who I think is going to have a good season up at UW. Yeah, another guy who will be just great, probably great for college, but I don't see him, you know, translating the NFL, but should have pretty darn good numbers up there. So. He could easily be, you know, a second option back. And, you know, maybe all those guys are are not – none of them are going to be Saquon. They're not Henry. They're not Nick Chubb. They're not Kamara. They're not CMC. But, dude, they're guys who are probably going to get in the league. Running backs get injured. And, they, you know, it's going to add to your fantasy points. So stash them away. That is a big point, dude. Running backs get injured. Like <laughs> – it's it gets overstated and understated. I feel, <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. A, a truth of life we deal with at all levels, and you have to keep it in mind at all times. I will right, we'll go into the twenty twenty one class. We'll, we'll got to speed it up just a hair. We're almost an hour already. It's good for us. We've been we get you're getting us walk. You're getting us talking good, David. I like it, man. A couple of big the big names in the class here. Are, I have I have, don't have a rankings of this class quite yet, like a solid solid rankings. Guys, I like a lot though in this class. Brees Hall is one of my favorite overall Debbie running backs. Um, he's been getting a little shade lately, and I don't know why I'm going to start hunting those people down. Um, Isaiah Siller, uh, Spiller from Texas A&M is another big back. Is looked amazing his freshman year. Zach Charbonnet, another big huge dude out in Michigan. John Emery Jr. might finally get a chance to shine this year in LSU. It's either going to be him or Ty- Tyrion, Tyrion Davis-Price. I don't know why I said that so bad. It's probably Tyron. Anyways, um, Jerry and Ely at Old Miss looked amazing last year. A couple names. And then Eric Gray at Tennessee, who, who David wants to talk about a little bit. George Halani, Kenneth Walker, the third from Wake Forest, another name to watch. Watch, watch that kid. 
Ramon Davis Temple. We've got some names in this class, guys, that can really make a lot of – this is going to be a huge year for a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys are just getting a chance to really be the man this upcoming season. So a lot of this class could really emerge this year. David, I'll give you a chance to talk about the Tennessee boy, Eric Gray, man. Yeah, I – you know, what I wanted to do when I was coming on this podcast was look at some of the names that Dwight was putting out there and – find some that people were not really talking about. And I, I feel like Eric Gray is someone that should be talked about a little bit more. I mean, may, listen, there might be some other podcasts out there who are, I, I'm pretty deep into this, so I haven't seen his name all that much, to be honest. Listen, coming out of high school, this guy had 138 touchdowns. He's the first ever three-time Mr. Football Award winner in the state of Tennessee. He's 5'10", 195 pounds, so he's not a big back, but he's got ample size. In his freshman year, he had 101 attempts, 539 yards, 5.3 average, and only four touchdowns. But he also added in 13 catches, 115 yards for an 8-point average, and chipped in another CD. So this is a true freshman, right? You know, this is SEC football. It's not tough to crack the field, and this guy went out and produced. He's an explosive big playmaker. He has multiple over 70-yard runs on his resume, he often, and he often does it with great vision and change of direction, but he's also a true between-the-tackles guy who I think is going to pound the rock. But he, like I said, he's he's got that athleticism. In a crazy Gator Bowl that I had money on, I'll admit, and lost because I was going Indiana, who I thought was underrated last year, but it saw the vo- the Vols come back all the way back to beat Indiana 23-22. Gray piled up 120 yards of total offense against the Hoosiers, in addition to spearheading the running game with 14 carries, 86 yards, and a TD. Gray recovered an onside kick that helped the Vols rally from a 13-point deficit in the final five minutes. He's a special player, and he should be on your radar. Nice, nice. I love it. Um, our boy Ray GQ uh, just had a – Ray Garvin just had a post not too long ago about him too. Eric Eric Gray is one of the up-and-coming. That whole team, Tennessee's got a really good recruiting classes last year, one of the top quarterbacks. They're hopefully a team on the comeback because – they're one of my favorite uniforms, one of my favorite programs in college football. So I'd like to see them, you know, they've had a couple dark decades almost, it seems like, ever since Peyton left. So it's been kind of rough there in Tennessee. So bring back Rocky Top, baby. Anybody in there, anybody on that 2021 class that pokes out to you there, Pete? Or Yeah, the forgotten running back from that uh, recruiting class, Trey Sanders, has the foot injury, you know, the top running back, number six overall top 10 in pretty much all rankings. He's just, you know, he kind of got forgotten about. The issue is, obviously, he had the injury. So, you know, your best ability is availability. And especially if you're at Bama and it's Nick Saban, if you're not out on the field, he's going to recruit, you know, I think four or five other five-star running backs every year. So <laughs> you got you got to be out there on the field. You got to make sure that you claim that spot. He's already got to compete with Najee Harris out there this year. And, you know, you got a, just a stable of running backs. There's always talented running backs at Bama. Maybe he's going to be somebody who just kind of we don't really hear much about. He gets and then finally gets the NFL and has his shot. We, you know, jumping out a few other names, Noah Kane at Penn State. 
he kind of he's he sparked up. Journey Brown took over. I always like any athlete that's coming out of the Penn State weight room because they are just churning out freaks. And uh, just a, a favorite name guy, Ole Miss running back Snoop Carter or Snoop Connor. So, heck yeah, that's just the name once. <laughs> I love that Snoop, name, baby. Snoop, baby. Yeah. Oh, I was supposed to shoot. I've been uh, meaning to. Um, so we. Yeah. This is he mentioned Journey Brown, and I've been trying to. I mean, we need to read Journey Brown's stat log from when he took over. Like, oh, Journey crazy. Brown makes my he makes my loins tingle. Okay, like, when I watch him, he's oh, yeah, he's okay, so the, the high school stat line right from his high school game. No, no, yeah, what's that? So this is seven, where he had a seven hundred yard rushing game. He had a seven hundred <laughs> yard rushing game. Yeah, the dude is a legit oh freak. God. What, so he ran, he ran the full length of the field seven times. Yeah, <laughs> that's like Derrick Henry territory. It, it's uh, let me see, uh, let me pull it up. Well, hold here, on, here. let me look, let me pull yeah. up his game logs when he. So okay, so the first part of the season, like he was going five, yeah. six, ten, five, starting at Michigan State, uh, November 9th. 14 rushes, 124 yards, 8.9 average, two TDs, and he also had a catch for 17. Next week at Indiana, 21 for 100 and a tutty, two for 20 in the receiving game. Next week against Ohio State, 11 for 64 and a tutty. Rutgers, 16, 103, three touchdowns. And then, of course, Saturday, December 28th, the best day of Journey Brown's life, 16 rushes, 202 yards, 12.6 average, two touchdowns as long as 56 yards. The guy ripped it up. So, All right, yeah. September 12th, 2015, in a game that finished 107 to 90, Journey Brown, <laughs> he had 722 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns on 30 carries. Oh, my Jesus. Lord. Wow. 30 carries. Wow. 30 carries. So here's one for you. Who used to own the Penn State 40-yard dash record in their weight room? Oh. Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Who beat it just this March during wow. workouts? Journey, Journey Brown. Brown. 4 two, I want to say 9. A quarter, 4 two, 9 4 two, 8 Penn State can recruit. This is the turnout. Their, their, their athletic training program um, is just top-notch. You see what they're doing at like Mike Isecki. Godwin, all of these athletes that they have just been churning out. Um, I, I forget the, the safety, the safety. Hamler, Hamler every, it's the work that they're putting into that program and the science, um, just the overall atmosphere is, I mean, if you are a kinesiology major, if you're someone who wants to get in and be an athletic trainer at a major program, I think you have to go to Penn State. I, I don't know why anybody would not go there to see what these guys are doing and how they're training their athletes. Right, right. Oh, absolutely, man. All right. <laughs> you guys are great. Yeah, I got to be off this. <laughs> I, I'm going to have – you've made that goal. I just wrote that down. I'm going to see if I can find some footage of that game and get it into a something. I, I don't know. I just – I want to do it. I want to see if I can find it. Oh, by the way, I, I I slept on this step, but Eric Gray was the, the MVP of the Gator Bowl. Nice. <laughs> Gator. All right. True freshman MVP of a bowl game. All right. We'll quickly bounce through the 2022 class. These guys are all guys. A lot of these guys will probably not even play this year. 
Um, John Robinson, Texas, Kendall Milton, Georgia, Marshawn Lloyd, South Carolina, Jamar Gibbs, Georgia Tech, Tate Bigsby from Auburn, EJ Smith, who is Emmett Smith's son, is playing at Stanford. Zach Evans finally decided to stay at TCU. Jalen Berger at Wisconsin could take a step forward. This another name you know. And then one last name I wanted to point out. This is for Kane, Kai Thomas for Minnesota, who, in case you didn't know, is the Gatorade. Kansas Gatorade Player of the Year, and he rushed for over 3,000 yards in his senior season. Kane says that every time he talks about Kai Thomas. So I just got to make sure I point that out. So there's a couple guys in that list that this, this has another potential to be just a really, truly special class. I really like Lloyd there in South Carolina a lot. Tank Bigsby at Auburn is just – he's uh, Tank. His name is Tank. Come on. It's a great name. Yeah, that's all you need, baby. Tank. And he went so to anyway. Auburn. I so. know that Bijan Robinson, I, I haven't seen, like, that's a name that has a lot of buzz that, right. like, look, I mean, a lot of ways to approach this. You can be a someone who watches film and, and evaluates a player. Just, you know, you really need to monitor how hot a name is. Bijan Robinson is a hot name, right? So, like, if you could get him for pretty cheap in your dynasty draft, your Debbie drafts coming up, grab it because he's going to appreciate in value because people are talking about him real quick. I just wanted to bounce. If you are in leagues that can draft high school players, a couple five-star guys come up the pipeline, uh, 20, the 2021 incoming or so it'd be, they'd be freshmen in 2021. A couple five-star guys, guys, Travion Henderson is going, I want to say he's still committed to Ohio state. There was some news about him recently, but I couldn't seem to find him. Kamar Wheaton has not decided, but it looks like Oklahoma. Will Shipley is going to be at the next probably big back at Clemson. He should be able to come in next year and really raise some hell. 2022, a couple other five-star guys, Emmanuel Henderson is committed to Auburn. The kid is a six foot two or six foot one, 190 pounds already. And he's only a junior in high school. Yeah, so he's a big kid, man. He's got some crazy, crazy high school tape. Gavin Sawchuck is non-committed. He's the second five-star in the class. Then the last five-star is Relic Brown, who is currently committed to Oklahoma. So there's a couple down the pipeline. So I said I get all my information 24-7. Rivals is good, too. I don't know, whatever you guys use. But I like 24-7. I like the way their site feels and... It just seems like their ratings more consistently. So those are some guys way down the line. I mean, if you're if you're in silly, crazy leagues that do that, like I've got a couple that we do, we can take high school players. And I actually have a 14 year old quarterback in one of them. I have a problem. So. <laughs> well, I I listen. Just I don't have a son yet, but if you want to like draft my son um, when he <laughs> is uh, when he's eventually born, um, he's right, probably gotcha. gonna be pr- at least a decent lineman. so have you guys got anything to add on these running backs any names you can just think of that we didn't talk about i mean felt like you probably threw out 600 names there but if you guys don't have anything else i wanted to go over dlf's like combined running back class ring is that all right or let's do it hit it all right all right so i went to dlf and i went to their I just siphoned, (laughs) I filtered, I filtered out just the running backs for the Debbie rankings and they have ETN one, Hubbard two, Harris three, Brees Hall four, Journey Brown five, Bijan Robinson is consensus six, Zamir White consensus seven, there you go Pete, Isaiah Spiller nine, Gainwell 10, Zach Charbonnet, or Gainwell is nine, Charbonnet is 10. I'm not Um, a Charbonnet guy. I, I'm kind of mixed. 
Like he he's got the talent, but he at times at Michigan he looked like just a plotter. Dude, like I mean, the only reason yeah. that anyone's talking about him is that for whatever reason Harbaugh it's handed true. off to him like fifty times a game. Like it's ridiculous. Um, the guy has a ton of volume, so right. he's only going to get on people's radars radars as a result. I, I I watch Michigan every game. I tell you what, I don't see him, man. I don't either, man. He. He could he could make a turn for the best because that offense often was defenses were able to key on him and key on stopping the run because their passing was so bad. So I'm hoping their offense opens up and we can see what he's really made of. So they have Max uh, DLF has Max Borgie at 12, Keontae Ingram at 14. We just talked we talked Total a lot about disrespect. him. They have Big Chardonnay Z. over Max Borgie. That's the name, man. Michigan, the winged helmet, baby. It um, is. It's it's yeah, Eric, it's fading, fading wazoo. They have Eric Gray at nineteen. Uh, I'm trying to go down this list here and see if there's Eric anybody Gray is at told. nineteen. That's okay. All right. At least I have an eye for some way of talent. I... <laughs> Spencer, they do have Spencer Brown at thirty six. That's a name to watch next year as well. He's a twenty twenty one guy. Another small school, Alabama, Birmingham. So I like him quite a bit as well. Um, yeah. So you can check out their rankings. I, 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 yeah. So that's, I just wanted to go through them and see what they said specifically about some of the guys we talked about. Kind of interesting. They have Kylan Hill at 11, which I am not a Kylan Hill guy. Uh, Verdell, they have at 13, which I thought was kind of surprising because a lot of people don't like him either. But he's a lot of fun to watch, that's for sure. I remember it's watching Oregon. Oregon offense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just watching Oregon games, I'm like, wow, move. Verdell, again, you know, like they wouldn't do anything. And then the Verdell was gone. You know, he's just lightning quick. So probably more of a third down guy. But I'll right. toss you one incoming Debbie guy's name. Uh, University yeah. of Washington, of course. I got to gotta represent. <laughs> but uh, if you remember Sam Adams, the defensive tackle, big Sam Adams. The beer? Well, <laughs> so Sam oh. Adams, the second gotcha. his son that. is coming out and uh, he's a running back. Pretty well regarded, and uh, I'm kind of I'm you know, you're talking about lineage guy who's going to know how to train, you know, know what's going to be expected going to the pros, and just have kind of a good work ethic as far as that. I just want to go since we're talking about your dub. Um, it seems like the sexy name, the sexy name, sexy name, <laughs> uh, is Jamaica Hasty when it comes to the SF. UDFAs in that backfield. Um, I drafted him myself in the uh, Scott Fishbowl, but at the same time, you know who they have? Salvin Ahmed, who I like. He is a bursty running back from the University of Washington. Not a producer, but has athletic traits that, you know, you could argue could make him a valuable asset down the line, especially in DFS, maybe in deeper dynasty leagues. Pete, what do you think about Salvin Ahmed? So I've uh, actually kind of known Savant since high school when he well when he was a high schooler. I'm quite a bit older, obviously, but uh, so Savant went to Juanita High School, which is right around where I work and right around where I live. Possibly one of the best young gentlemen I've ever met. Um, you know, when you talk about character stuff. He, this is, you know, high school kid. Anytime they would have a, uh, an assembly, Savon would be one of the last people there thanking, you know, whoever came to speak. I'm a huge fan of his. 
he his speed unfortunately didn't show this year. He was dealing with a back injury uh, that kind of went unreported. There's a little bit of information about it. It if you watch in his 40 at the NFL Combine uh, when he's he's getting into his sprint, he his back seized up on him again, and you can see him. He goes vertical, very quick, running straight up and down, and just which it tanked his his draft stock. He was previously reported running, I think, around the four threes at the UW Pro Day in 2019. And, yeah, this injury had a huge part in his production this this last year. And I think it was kind of one of the things that pushed him towards declaring. Unfortunately, he went undrafted. Uh, He was brought in as a UDFA. And now he's at one of the best systems, really. We're always looking for that. You know, we want the running back that's in the – you know, Shanahan offense and down there in San Francisco, hey, I'm all for it. I agree. I mean, I do kind of like, listen, I'm a big, I I know that people don't want to respect the senior bowl in terms of like, it's like long, like history of time and like, look at it historically. It's not produced a lot of great talent. I think the opposite. I think that the senior bowl has actually been in the last five years since Jim Nagy has taken over a really great, place to evaluate talent and it actually has produced people look at dj chark number one the guy blew up in the senior bowl and now he's at the top of many forward-thinking analyst lists in terms of wide receiver breakouts from this for this year and he broke out last year hasty looked really good in the senior bowl josh kelly looked really good in the senior bowl so those are two guys that i think are names to keep in mind as we go forward but Speaking from a Debbie perspective, Ahmed was a guy that I liked a lot. While I might give that slight edge to Hasty because I saw him do it against other seniors and in that format, Ahmed could break out, man. I like him a lot. He's a great he's a great talent. And I agree with you that he did not get I think a lot of people don't understand the speed that he contains because of his combine numbers. But then again, too, you know, Gaskin was a great prospect out of Washington. He's like barely hanging on to the roster in in Miami. They like brought in two other running backs from other places in front of him. So it's hard to gauge, but you know, I do think if you're in a lot of leagues, if you're doing deep leagues, you know, if you're if you're listening to this podcast, you're doing a lot of stuff. I don't think Ahmad is a uh, Ahmed is a best is a bad player to add. You know, maybe you do instead of Hasty this round, you do Ahmed because I, I feel like he's kind of getting like a little bit lost in this. Yeah. As we approach the season. So when you're talking, um, I don't know if you've seen it. There's a, it was one of the, the you know, workouts, some, some sort of combine event, whatever it was. Uh, Savan was doing um, pass catching drills at like a invitation camp, some sort of Gatorade, whatever. Savan won he showed up in the pass catching drills. He has great hands. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's key for a running back. His ability to stay on the field. He's a good blocker. He's a hardworking guy. You know, I'm is a Seahawks fan. I don't like that. He went to the 49ers, but I'm still going to cheer him on. So hundred percent. All right, David, you got a new podcast coming out. You're free to promote it. If you'd like, man. Uh, well, I'm doing my training camp dialed in podcast again. Um, so hopefully, well, that's if people will talk to me, but I plan on returning to the podcast, Mike, uh, where I'll be talking to NFL beat writers about NFL training camp. The only difference this year is they won't be in from the sidelines of camp. (laughs) 
but they'll know the team better than anyone and we'll be getting the inside scoop on the team up to the minute so we'll know what's going on and um i'm excited about that i also am trying to do a another podcast that i already recorded with dwight that maybe will come to fruition i'm 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 having some <laughs> thoughts about it i appreciate dwight for taking the time but i don't know yeah, if i can so support fun. i hope somebody hears it we had a we had a blast no it, it'll, it'll come out in some in some form i don't know that i basically want to do a half music Our half clip. fantasy football <laughs> pod but i don't know about that but more importantly next wednesday or this wednesday if it comes out july 29th if it comes out before this one the wednesday july 29th 9 p.m no limit chronicles your boy your boy right here had a hand in telling the story of master p and the no limit record label oh it's gonna be great bet 9 p.m wednesday all right july 29th it's gonna be great he used to come to our offense or he used to come to our office and eat the snacks. So <laughs> I have some reason Master, the Master P. I love him. He's a great guy. The only thing I remember is that song. They make him say, oh, that's the only one I remember. I don't, I don't know why I don't remember him better than that. You don't remember Silk? I, you know what, though? I got to say, this is actually just uh, we can we can talk about this off the air, but I got to watch a lot of MTV as a result because it it's on BET and it it's a Viacom production, so we were able to pull from the archives, the archives of uh, of MTV. I watched a lot of MTV, and it was great. <laughs> it was like I watched so much Yo MTV raps, like so much stuff from my youth. All right, literally, like I should be working, but I'm just like watching it. <laughs> I'm just like watching. Full, I'm just like watching. <laughs> I'm just like, what? You know what, though? I have to say, I actually miss a lot of the programming that wasn't music from MTV, like back in the day. But at the same point, like, I, Yo! MTV Raps was maybe like one of the best shows of all time. And it stinks to lose that format and have it being a, a place where, you know, it's just everything's so fractured now. And right. it was like, a, you know, a more of a pit stop for more people. And it exposed a lot of artists, and it, yeah, it, it's an incredible, incredible show from Fab Five Freddy to to Ed Lover and Dr. Dre to I don't even was there a format after that, but yeah, it was it, it was a great show. Yeah, show how show how weird I was. I loved that show, and I loved Headbangers Ball. Those well, are the two course. shows I always watched. Because I uh, loved rap and I loved heavy metal, so that's like what I that's what I listened to, like back in the late '90s and stuff, and yeah, 2000s. That's, I'm that's what I like the Headbangers Ball guy. I am blanking, but he is like, yeah, I don't even remember, man. I always watch the videos. All right, Pete, you got anything you're working on, bud? Or well, I I brought back the old Dynasty Yak podcast, and I'm keeping them, you know, just short, focused episodes, just kind of looking at one player at a time. So that's been fun to do again, and. Yeah, just been busy. Just been busy with life and, uh, you know, enjoying the Pacific Northwest, getting out and doing some hiking. These two guys didn't say the handles, I don't think. David is at Carl Jr. Pete is at at underscore Pete Law, right? I get that yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at FF People's Champ. Uh, working at DLF. Just a lot of articles at DLF. I have 
too many going on right now. And um, I do have a little bit of announcement for this show. Pete, I don't even know if I've even told you this, bud. Um, I started a YouTube channel at Debbie Manual, and I'm working on some prospect cut-ups for it. Um, I've got one on it so far, and I'm working on, like, six other ones. So just I'm not going to publicize it a whole lot. I like to do... I've done some and I'm going to set them to old school rap. I don't want it to get out there too much because I don't want to violate copyrights and all that. But So it's just going to be kind of, it's just going to kind of be for me. I, I love making cutups and for you guys, if you guys want to check it out at Debbie manual um, is how we find us on Twitter at or the Debbie manual is the uh, channel. I'll probably post it on the, on the Twitter page here soon, trying to get a couple more videos on it before I sit, before I push it out too hard. But so I've been working on that and I, I don't know, it's just, I, I love making the prospect cut up. So I wanted a place to put them. So I made a Twitter, I made a YouTube channel for the Debbie manual. So that's just, and if you don't ever put anything on there, Pete, sorry, I'll cut that out. I don't, I don't know why I didn't, I didn't even mention it to you. I just been like, I was no, even considering really, making I think it's great, right. dude. I watched yeah. some of it and you know what? Like, Honestly, like it's so rare that a announcer says something of use. Although I did hear the when I was watching the Eric Gray highlights, the guy was like, he had 138 touchdowns in college or in high school. I was like, oh shit, that was pretty good. Um, but for the most part, um, yeah, rip all that like commentary out and just play some yeah, tunes. Like, That's cool. The most obscure players on this planet, potentially another planet. Like. Dude's got a 4-3-40 from Mars, like, I don't know, I, it's too much, I'm done. I'm gone this time. Like, don't bring it back in. Enjoy your podcast.